0: Welcome to Podcast 210. This is Kurt Mortensen with a horse, raspy, lame voice today. Forgive the voice, but we're still going to go strong. We're going to do the podcast today. I was in San Francisco last week doing a seminar on charisma and persuasive presentations. And I don't know if it was the smoke from the fires or what was happening, but it didn't do well for my voice. But it's getting back. It's better than it was. You should have heard me after the uh, seminar. It was not good, but we had a great seminar. Shout out to those in San Francisco. And our hearts and prayers go out to those whose homes and areas are under fire right now. That's a big challenge, and hopefully they can resolve that real fast. So the key things I taught in San Francisco is that anybody can inform, but is influential. Anybody can present, but is it persuasive. Anybody can communicate, but are you charismatic? That's the key, and that's the difference And We'll share some of that with you today. We're going to take a deep dive today and talk about double dissonance, one of the 12 laws of persuasion in my book, Maximum Influence, and I'm going to have a special offer for if you want that book for free. Stay tuned. But let's start off with the blunder of the day, Homer Go. Don't, don't, don't. I will be the blunder today. Probably the most featured blunderer on the show is me. I'll admit it. I make mistakes, quite a few of them. And this was about a couple weeks back. I was speaking to a group of financial professionals, and I'd gotten there early enough, but I didn't follow my checklist. You're like, what does that mean? Well, every good professional persuader, salesperson, negotiator, lawyer, pilots have checklists. They do it every time to make sure they don't forget anything. They don't fall in the trap that we do as persuaders Oh, I've been doing this quite a few times. It doesn't matter. You have to follow your checklist or every once in a while it's going to bite you in the rear end. There's a pile every once in a while you're going to crash. You have to follow your checklist. You know what's my checklist? Well, I make sure that uh, I've contacted the presenter. I get there early. I have found the audio video person. They have my PowerPoint. They know exactly my parameters and what I need. Everything is set up well before, even the night before or a couple hours before everything is set up and I showed up early, I did, and I talked to the AV person for a second, they were going to come back, and I didn't think much of it. And another thing I failed to do is I sent out my biography, you know, the bio they read ahead of time, the intro, that's pretty important for credibility, and I always bring a printed copy because a lot of times they forget, and they make things up as they try to invent something because they don't want to admit they forgot it. So, I had about 30 minutes before I had to present, and the presenter in front of me was... Behind a podium, not doing a very good job, very monotone. I'm thinking, this is good. I'll look better than I actually am because the law of contrast, if you've ever studied that one. And all of a sudden, they finished up. They're all done, and the person was kind of shocked they'd finished so fast. The person in charge of the seminar, and all of a sudden, he says, okay, and now Kurt Mortensen will go. We'll speak, and that was it. There was no intro. I didn't have any PowerPoint, and I was up in an auditorium probably a hundred rows, so all those stairs, I had to come down. Everyone's looking at me. You no know, PowerPoint, no intro, nothing. They didn't know who I was. I mean, there was something in the program, and there was a title there, but it was not the same. So the message being, you've got to have a checklist. You got to check every time. Most of the time, it works out. Most of the time, it works out just like clockwork. But you've got to be prepared for those things because something's going to go wrong. You have to follow your checklist and. You know, I slowly recovered, slowly got AV to put in the PowerPoint, eventually got my credibility throughout my presentation as I dropped little hints here and there about books published and degrees and a few other things, but it was not the same. And not only that, it kind of frazzles you as a presenter, as a speaker, as a persuader, because you're not on track. It's not what you were expecting. And you can't be that powerful presenter or persuader when you are stuck on everything that's going wrong instead of really focusing on the audience. So I'll be the blunder of the day. Have your checklist. Always follow your checklist every single time. Now it's time for our geeky article. And again, I don't know if you like your new sound. I'm getting mixed reviews on that one. Why can't we find a good sound for the article? But anyway, we're searching. Let us know. Send us some sounds. Love it. You can reach me at Kurt, K-U-R-T, at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. And of course, we're on iTunes, Pinterest, Facebook at Maximize Your Influence. And of course, there's MaximizeYourInfluence.com. Lots of places to find us. Reach out, say hello, tell your friends, and listen to the podcast. Today's article is from Scott Murphy from the University of Virginia. It hasn't been published yet, but I wanted to kind of talk about it because it leads into the topic today. One of the 12 laws of persuasion, the law of dissonance. And this one's interesting. Just kind of think about this. and. The human brain and intuition and and dissidence. we'll talk about that here in a second. So what he did is he offered people two bucks, right? Just two bucks if they would sign a paper that said, I, fill in your name, hereby sell my soul after my death to Scott Murphy for the sum of two dollars. And then there's a line for a signature. I mean, that was it. Two bucks. And on the form it said, this is part of a psychology experiment. It's not legal or binding in any way. And he also told him at the end of the study, you can rip this up. Whatever you want to do, it's yours. you get to keep it. I'm not going to keep a copy. Now, logically, that's a no-brainer. We know it's not real, but only 23% would sign for the two bucks. And many of these people were atheists. They didn't believe in souls. They didn't believe in God. But they still felt uncomfortable signing it. Isn't that interesting we are talking about intuition, that feeling inside? Logically, it makes perfect sense, but you get that feeling inside, and that feeling is dissonance. Again, this is one of the 12 laws of persuasion. This is one of the ones that is human nature 101. Basically, we have these beliefs, attitudes, commitments, thoughts, values in our brain, and when we do something against it, either sign the form about selling our soul or doing something against our values, We have this rubber band inside us. It kind of stretches and it feels awkward and uncomfortable. I mean, that's what it is. And as humans, we cannot live with that tension. We have to resolve it. We have to alleviate it right away because we cannot live with it. Our brain can't handle that. Let me give you another example. At work, you make decisions all day long. Decision, decision, decision. Did you know the study shows those decisions you make, you are right 50% of the time and you are wrong 50% of the time? Now, I made that up, okay? I don't do that much, but I made that up just to help you realize dissonance. Because many of you are like, wait a minute, that's not true. It might be true for other people. I don't believe that study. And we have to alleviate that tension because we don't believe that's part of who we are. That is dissonance. And you can strategically use it to persuade people or better yet, help people persuade themselves. Now, can you stretch a rubber band too far? Oh, absolutely. You know, if someone's asked you, hey... Help me lose weight. And you come home and they just polish 12 Krispy Kreme donuts and you say something, you probably better duck because you stretch that rubber band a little too far and they are going to find reasons why it was okay. And that's the key. The human brain needs to be right. And when you prove someone they're wrong or win the argument, it's fun. I'll agree with that, but it's not very persuasive. And as humans understand, it's easier to amend our beliefs... Then admit we are wrong. For example, you have a belief that you shouldn't steal, don't steal. You teach your children, don't steal, don't steal. And they come to your home office and say, uh, Mom, Dad, there's a stapler there. Isn't that from work? And you're like, Yeah. Well, isn't that stealing? Whoa, whoa, rubber band stretching. You've been caught. You say, Yeah, I'm a thief. No, that does not happen. You say, Well, I'm just borrowing it for 20 years. Uh, <laughs> Well, I do some work at home, and they add extras, and they don't pay me enough. Whatever it is, we come up with these reasons like, okay, hello, that is dissidence. You know, do you eat that grape at the grocery store? Is that stealing, or is that testing for quality? Telling a lie, is that wrong? Is a white lie okay? What if people ask us how they look, right? Is it okay to protect feelings? And I'll let you decide what that is, but that is dissidence. The human brain needs to be right, and you really need to understand how it works. Simple things like speeding, your belief is, well, hey, that's dangerous, you shouldn't do it, but well wait a minute, I'm late for a meeting. Texting while driving, that's wrong for other people, but I'm better than most and I'll just do one letter at a time and it'll be okay, okay? Playing the lottery, you know, that's dumb, you know the statistics, but someone's got to win. You see where we're going with this? That is what you need to understand about the human brain. In fact, let me give you a few more examples so you can really understand how this works. I assigned my college students to do a group project on dissonance, and they all chose different things. But one group was really interesting. They chose hand-washing and researched it and found that 97% of people believe you should wash your hands after the restroom. Well, I don't know about that other 3%. We won't talk about them, but it's pretty much a universal belief. It's probably a good thing to do this. So they all realized that that's not exactly what really happens, and so they camped out in the university library bathrooms, male and female, to catch people who didn't wash their hands. And they would catch them, and they'd fall down the hallway and say, wait, stop, you forgot to wash your hands. Of course, the rubber band stretches. They were caught with something they knew they should have done, but they didn't. And no one said, oh, thank you, I appreciate the reminder. No, 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 you better duck. People are yelling, call security, pervert. People watch me in the bathroom. Or we heard, well, I'll use hand sanitizer later, you didn't see me, my professor said the germs are so strong it didn't matter. No, you only wash your hands before you eat, right? Things we know that aren't true, but it's easier for people to amend their belief than admit they're wrong. That is key. You have to understand this is human nature. You do it yourself every day. The human brain needs to be right. And we can strategically use this to create what I call double dissonance to help people persuade themselves. Another quick example, and I'll give you some more tools to be able to use this in your everyday persuasive life. So example in my own life, I believe, and that's part of distance, we do what we believe, especially when we make commitments to others and to ourselves. We believe we keep our commitments. So my belief is you should not eat after 7 o'clock at night, and you should exercise every day. There you go. Good belief. I'm pretty good at it, except when I travel, or even worse, when I go on vacation, what happens to those beliefs about food and eating and exercise when you go on vacation? Or worse, go on a cruise seven meals a day, okay? Well, average weight gains a pound a day on a cruise, and you amend your beliefs, thinking, well, if I don't eat it. They're going to throw it away, and I've paid it, and i got to get my money's worth. I'm going to stay up late for that midnight dessert buffet, even though I'm not hungry, but I've got to see it. People are going to ask me about it. I'll work out more when I get home. Again, vacation, calories don't count. I personally even lost five pounds before a cruise, so I would break even. <laughs> so I'm speaking on this cruise to Bermuda. Rough seas getting there, but beautiful island. And uh, was enjoying the island with my wife. We came back and I was changing my clothes. And she's all, where are you going? Am I going to get something to eat? And she looks at me with a puzzled look and says, are you hungry? I'm like, well, no, but we're on a cruise. That's what you do. She's like, all right, you go eat. I'm not hungry. I'm going to go exercise. And I'm like, oh. I'm like, all right, that's probably a good idea. I'm into exercise. I like jogging. So I committed myself. I jogged three miles. So I got on the top of the ship, the, you know, the small track. The was the 87 laps a mile. I don't remember what it was. But the sun was out, turquoise water, getting some sun. I was jogging. I was enjoying it. And But every time I passed the back of the ship, I, oh, I smelled the hamburgers, the hot dogs, the french fries. I am like, no, no. Three miles, three miles, got to go three miles, I made a commitment, and I kept going and going, I was following this guy around and around, but the guy I was following was missing. Where did he go? You got it, he was sitting down eating a hamburger, and I'm thinking, wait a minute, if he can do it, I can do it, I'm on vacation, come on. No, no, my mind's three miles, and so I had about ten laps left, oh, I still doesn't know this, but it made perfect sense at the time, I grabbed a tray while I kept jogging in line, got my hamburgers and fries. And I walked the remaining 10 laps while I ate my burgers and fries because I would break even. All right, you with me on this one? Do you know what I'm talking about? We've all been there. That is dissonance. And so let's talk about this and understand this so we can go through this to really understand how this works. So your goal as a persuader is to gently stretch the rubber band. That is your goal. If you stretch it too far, it'll snap back. They will come and attack you, make it your fault. You have to understand the exact formula and way to do this. So first of all, let me discuss a few of the things that people do to alleviate their dissonance. One, probably the most prevalent, is the denial. They deny there's a problem or they attack you. They demean the source. They make it your fault. You're late. You're stretching the rubber band. In their mind, they don't believe they're late. Why are you always attacking me? You're a mean person. How could you do this to me? You're right. And they just fill in the blank there. They're attacking you or they deny, no, I'm rarely late. You're just making that up. And so that's denial. The other one's the reframe. We see that quite a bit, where you modify the thinking, you change the understanding, you reinterpret that. So you're late. In those days, I'm like, well, don't you know, it's now socially acceptable to be five minutes late to, you're like, what? That makes no sense. But in their mind, it makes perfect sense because they're mending their beliefs. Some people get stuck in the social validation or the search, where they find other people that are doing the same type of thing. For example, smoking. Well, they know it's healthy, but Uncle Fred smoked till 95, and he was healthy as a horse. That type of thing. The separations, when they compartmentalize, it's okay here, but not okay over there. Politicians, well, that's their public life versus their private life. You see where we're going with this? We're really good at this. Some people just rationalize, they justify, they find excuses. Yeah, you're late. Well, traffic and this, and they justify their behavior. So your goals as persuaders to lead them down that path to realize for themselves that they need to change. Because you can back them into a corner and win that argument, but you have to be able to do that, to gently stretch that rubber band to help them persuade themselves. Again, that's dissonance, but I want to add what I call double dissonance, to really amplify your ability to persuade people. Because if you could help them persuade themselves, you get very little resistance. Because for most people, the moment they sense it, you're going to try to persuade them to do something, even though they need it, want it, like it, and can afford it, They are going to resist you. That's just how it is. This way, there's no resistance. It's their ideas, their thought. They came up with it, although you gently led them there, and it's much more persuasive. The first key here is realize it's all about the questions, leading them down that path. Great persuaders, I've said this, I don't know how many times on these podcasts, is that great persuaders ask three times more questions than the average persuader. Learn to ask those questions, lead them down that path. And that's the first aspect, but here's a formula, really use dissonance. And I'll talk about how to double down and create double dissonance. The first one is you have to find their beliefs, their feelings, their commitments, what they've done. That's the critical thing. What are their beliefs? What are their commitments? What are their values? What are they going against? You have to find that out first. Second... You have to get a commitment from them. Get the yes. Get the commitment. They want to change. They want to do that. Then from there, you gently stretch the rubber band, right? Create a little tension. Then as a persuader, you offer a solution. You're not just stretching rubber bands for fun. It might be fun for you, but you've got to offer a solution, which is your product, your service, your idea. For example, I talked about financial professionals earlier. What if you were a financial professional and someone came in. You found out their beliefs, their values, commitments. Maybe they want to re- retire when they were 60. All right? You found their cognition and then you say, all right, so you, it's true. You want to retire when you're 60, right? Yes. All right? You get the commitment. Then you create a little dissonance. Well, based on your past and what you've been investing and in, let's look at your portfolios and this, this, and this, do you think you'll be able to retire when you're 60 or just create a little distance there, stretch a rubber band, they're not even close. Because in persuasion, we call this the gap. Where they think they are financially is this little one, two inch gap if I'm holding up my hands. But you, as a persuader, have to show them, no, it's this three foot gap, you know, if I'm holding up my hands. That's your goal. That's what creates the dissonance. And then your solutions, your product, your service, your idea. If you're doing a performance review and you knew they were terrible, they need to be fired, let's go through it. First one's find their cognition. Do they really want to stay there? Do they like working there? Let's say you find out they do. They like working there. They want to stay there. Well, get the commitment. Do you want to keep working here? Do you like it here? Well, yes, yes, yes. Get as many yeses as possible. Then you create the dissonance. Well, based on your past and this and this, and tell me about this. You're asking questions, creating the dissonance. They're realizing that they're a terrible employee, that they're always late, that they don't keep their deadlines, and nobody likes them, whatever it is, fill in the blanks. And then you've created the dissonance, you offer the solution, say, okay, look, if we fix this and we work on this and you do this, we can come around and you can have more job security here. You've provided the solution. That is the key. That is dissonance. Now, let's double down on the dissonance. Now, the key is stories. And we've talked about stories on the podcast. In fact, podcast 181. If you're a free member of InfluenceUniversity.com, you can look at our interview with Paul Smith, who specializes in stories, stories persuade without detection. If you can tell a story about someone who's in a similar situation, the human mind looks for solutions, it persuades without detection, you put some in that subconscious state where they are easier to persuade, tell a story in the situation, that doubles the dissonance that increases your ability to persuade and influence. Every great persuader has a story. It grabs attention. It triggers emotions. There are so many positive things about stories that can change people. That's what doubles the distance. That's what really stretches that rubber band and helps people persuade themselves is telling that story. Right when that state, when they're feeling that dissonance, before you get into the solution, have a story ready to roll. or. As we have found out that even have them telling you a story can put them into that subconscious trance, can get them in that space where they're easier to persuade. So double dissonance, first time we've talked about this on the show. Create the dissonance, double it with the story, and you become a power persuader. That is the key. It will change every aspect of what you do. So I know I took a deep dive today. This is distance. It's one of the 12 laws of persuasion and maximum influence. In fact, I mentioned earlier, if you want a free copy of the new edition of Maxim Influence, you just pick up the shipping and handling. I will send you the copy of the new edition with the new studies. Just go to LawsofInfluence.com and check it out there. Want to help you out to really become a power persuader. So learn these skills, master these skills, and again, go out and become that power persuader. Thanks for listening. To listen to the rest of the podcast or subscribe, it's MaximizeYourInfluence.com.